This is the Jody Mack Show on CBS Sports Radio. You make the call. Jody's talking to you at 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. I am Jody McDonald and an hour left to play. NBA draft coming down Thursday night. The doling out of the freshest, newest talent for the National Basketball Association. How's it going to go? Where are they going to go? Who's going to be picking what? How active will it be as far as a trade market goes? Well, I've been talking to my next guest for years. He does as good a job covering the NBA draft, leading up to you, giving you scouting reports, projecting, predicting with mock drafts, how it can and or will go. Uh, if you don't, check out DraftExpress.com. Leading up to the draft, you're making a mistake. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni of DraftExpress.com, good enough to hop on board with us for a couple minutes. Hey, Ben, Jonathan. Doing great, Jody. How about you? Good. Uh, as I say, I've been following your work and uh, keep an eye on your uh, projections throughout the year, well, leading up to every draft for years now. Uh, and you do as good a job, probably better than anybody I know, at international guys. You follow it. You go to uh, international competitions and the like and have as good a read on it as anybody else. Uh, we hear about this NBA draft. It's not star-studded. It may have some depth, but there's no franchise-changing player. And that's usually talking about the collegiate players. But am I right to assume we're also talking about the international players here, that this is just a average-to-run-of-the-mill type draft, whether you're talking uh, USA and or international? I think that's correct as far as all-star potential prospects go. I think that there will be six or seven international players drafted in the first round, but there's only really one guy that, that has, um, you know, huge potential in that group. It's probably the Greek kid, Giannis Adesikunbo. And ironically, the, the, the college prospect with the most potential might be European as well. That could be Alex Len from Maryland. <laughs> Now, Len has moved quickly up draft boards. Is that because people are scared off of Nerland's Noel and his uh, knee surgery? Or has Len done something because he's hurt too? What has been the impetus of him going from a guy who two months ago might have been projected bottom half of the top ten, and now he could be potentially the first uh, name grabbed on Thursday night? I think people have just gone back and really watched all the footage from from the past two years as well as film from European competition three years ago where, you know, he he went up against Jonas Valanciunas and and did a phenomenal job. A kid who is 7-1 and skilled, athletic, and has a good feel for the game like Len, they just don't come around around very often and – the more people look at this draft, I think the more they gravitate towards Len because he really has the best chance, I think, of being an all-star in this group. Did the resurgence of Tim Duncan and uh, his play right up until he missed a shot with 50 seconds ago the other night and the uh, above, way above average play of uh, Hibbard in the Eastern Conference playoffs is that going to help some of the big men in this draft that maybe teams are willing to say, yeah, you still can win with a low post player and a guy who plays back to his basket because the trend in the NBA has gone pretty much to four, if not five guys out playing on the perimeter. Did the reemergence of the postman, will it have any effect on this upcoming NBA draft? 
I think so, yeah. I think that's a correct assessment, and I think that that's partially what might be driving Alex Glenn's draft stock. Uh, this playoffs really did show us that you do need uh, a really good low-post player, unless you have LeBron, to uh, to win, uh, you know, Marcus Soule and, and Duncan and, and Hibbert. Um, and these guys were, were, were huge influences on every playoff team's runs, and, and even Joe Kim Noah, uh, and you look at the season Brooke Lopez had, you really don't have a chance to win in the NBA these days unless you have a very good center, if you don't have LeBron James. We're talking to Jonathan Gavoni of DraftExpress.com, one of the best at analyzing the upcoming NBA draft. Right, if Len has dropped, jumped up, and taken the number one spot, a lot of people projected Nerlens Noel as the potential number one. If he doesn't go to Cleveland number one, does he fall to number two? Does he fall further down? What kind of a effect will it have on Noel if he's not the first pick taken? Yeah, I think um, those two guys are going to be top four picks. We're not really sure in what order right now. The guys in Cleveland do a really good job at keeping things close to the best. We really didn't have any idea last year that Deion Waiters was going to be their pick in the top five. We didn't have any idea that Tristan Thompson was going to be their pick two years ago in the top five, and maybe for good reason, actually, <laughs> looking at how they've played. But uh, they really do a great job at uh, and not tipping their hands. And I think that they're really heavily exploring trade situations, too. So um, there's a number of scenarios that could play out. But I don't see Alex Lynn falling much further past Charlotte at four. As you say, you're working your sources, trying to get information from teams, people around teams, people know about team activity. And then you measure that up with what you've seen with your eyes, how you rate players, and the kind of stock report that you put out on them. Who's the player that's confounding you right now that either you think is significantly better than what you're hearing from the NBA teams or you don't like it all, but yet every NBA guy you talk to has a kind thing or a high word of praise for this individual that you just don't see it? And Contavious Caldwell-Pope has really moved up draft boards significantly over the last few months. Uh, he, he, he has a really good chance of being a top-ten pick on Thursday now. And while I like his talent, I like a, a 6'6 guy that can really shoot the ball and, and, and is committed to playing defense and can really score, I wonder if he has the mindset to be a top-ten draft pick and really carry you know an NBA team to be a go-to option early on in his career, I wonder about that. I think that he is more comfortable being a complementary type, being a third or fourth option player. So I liked him a little bit more when he was projected just outside the lottery, you know, in that 15 to 25 range as opposed to a top 10 pick. And I think really that's what the draft is all about. It's all about value. I think all these players are talented. I don't think there is a single guy that's going to go in the first round that just cannot play. I just I think that it's a matter of expectations. It's a matter of where you fall in the draft and 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 what kind of opportunity you get to, to how good you can actually become. If a team was picking whatever two, three, four somewhere in the draft, uh, and they had a need at both guard positions, would you tell them they were better off uh, targeting a guy like Ben McLemore or going for a point guard like Trey Burke if they had a need at both? I would go with Trey Burke. I think that he's a guy that wants to be uh, an all-star point guard. 
He wants. He really has the ability offensively to do everything on the court. I think he's ready to step in from day one and play. Whereas Max Lamore, he has a little bit of that Contavious Caldwell Pope mindset where he would rather be in the, in the shadows a little bit. I'm not necessarily sure he wants to be in the spotlight. Um, so I, I, I would be more comfortable drafting Trey Burke. I think he's going to be a very, very good NBA point guard. I think that the uh, the concerns about his size are a little bit over, over, overblown at this point. Everybody wants to know about the lottery picks and the top picks and the like, but it is a two-round draft and something we've seen a lot of over the last few years. I don't want to get your take on how much we'll see it this year. Is the d- second-round drafting of Europeans for stashing purposes, that you can leave them over there and let them continue to develop their game and then at some point bring them here uh, to America. How what kind of group is this for this year's draft for that purpose, guys, who you're not going to see in the NBA in 2013-14, but three or four years down the line, a team can get almost like a bonus player coming in that gives something to their roster? I think it's a decent draft for that. I don't think it's a great draft. There's a couple of guys that are intriguing. Um, for example, I really like the uh, Montenegrin big man that plays in Spain. His name is Boyan Dublovich. He's a 6'9 power forward who can really shoot the ball. He was one of the top scorers in the ACB, which is the best league in the world, in my opinion, outside the NBA. Uh, he's draft eligible. I think someone's going to snatch him up pretty early on. There's, there's also a Lithuanian point guard named Nemanja Nedovic, who is just as athletic as any of the American guards that are in this draft. He played at a high level. He was a EuroLeague player. Um, he might come over right away, or he might stay overseas for a year or two, but I think that he's a name that we're going to hear called pretty early on in the second round and, and, and has a chance to be pretty good. Jonathan, uh, the word has been that a bunch of teams are trying to trade down. Uh, while this team, this draft could lend itself to guys who help you win, if not superstar levels, well, but they're slotted in in the first round. And if you got the third pick in the draft and you're not getting an all-star type player, but you've got to pay him, that can be disadvantageous. And uh, some of the top picks are being shopped, if not a great deal of the top picks are being shopped. But it takes two to tangle. Somebody's got to want to jump up and really like a player and think he's underrated to go make that move and get him. How active a draft night will we see as far as potential trades? go in your guesstimation? I think it will be a very active draft, not only for teams looking to to move up or down, but teams that are looking to improve their salary cap situation going into next summer. You look at Dallas, uh, Atlanta, Houston. These are all teams that want to get further under the cap to go after players like Dwight Howard and Chris Paul. These guys are following what happened with the Clippers with the Doc Rivers situation. They know that there's some discontent there. They can get further under, uh, further under the salary cap uh, by offloading some salaries. You could see guys like Sean Marion, for example, being in play. Um, that could really, really change the dynamic of how this free agency period at the beginning of July plays out. So I think that's going to be a big key to some of the trades that are made on draft night on Thursday. And here's a question I've never asked you before, Jonathan, and like I said, you and I have been doing this for your, for years now. Um, the sabermetrics of the NBA, the analytics of the NBA, another trend seems like more and more teams are leaning more heavily toward it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind as a guy who's been scouting talent for years now? 
I'm an information guy. Anything that can give you an edge in this business, you have to look at. I don't think you can. it's a replacement for going out and watching players with your own eyes, but I do think that there are tons of information out there that, that, that is helpful. The, you know, the real challenge is sifting through it and knowing what's valuable and what's not, and I think that's where the experience comes in, and that's where having really smart people around you helps you. But, um, I, you know, the, the, the stats can watch every game while we can't. There are thousands of games that are played around the world every single season. So, uh, you know, we need some help sometimes. Um, and there are certain things that, you know, that you can identify, red flags or guys that might be undervalued. Then you go and then you watch them with your own eyes and maybe you learn more about them. So I think that to just um, cover your eyes and to ignore what's going on right now, I think it's foolish. But uh, you definitely don't want to make a pick just based on the numbers. All right, when the first round is over and done with, how many are you going to have right out of the 30 picks in the NBA draft? I would be surprised if we had more than seven or eight. You know, that's uh, it's honestly not my biggest goal. We, we, we cover the draft 365 days a year. I want to get right who actually is going to be a good player and who's not because – there's just way too many variables that go into, uh, you know, uh, whether a guy goes seven or eight or nine or trades. I mean, there's just the, the whims of 30 NBA GMs, just too much to account for. I, I would like to know who's going who's gonna to be good or not. That's what I'd like to be able to predict accurately. And, you know, that's funny that you say that because the day after the draft, I look back at your draft, Mac drafts, and others and go, well, I got that right. That team took that guy and everything else. But when you go back a year or two later, Nobody worries about who drafted who. It's what were the rankings, how many of the top ten guys turned out to be all-stars and the like, and it is eventually what you're judged on, is what you want to be judged on. The day after, some people might say, I didn't know he was going here or there or whatever else, but you're right. Years down the road, it's much more important have the best players ranked the highest, and Jonathan's usually very good at that. Jonathan, enjoy the week, and then enjoy the draft on Thursday. Thanks for your insight today. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. That's Jonathan Gaboni of DraftExpress.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at DraftExpress. Uh, this is the week to be tuned to what he's uh, putting out. One of the best at analyzing the upcoming NBA draft and giving you draft and scouting reports on the guys that will be picked.